Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Disclaimer time. This is where I tell everyone to lighten up. It's just a podcast. Trading is like that roller coaster at the amusement park. Thrilling, unpredictable, and potentially stomach-churning. What works for one person might leave another clutching their hat in the wind. Our hosts and guests, they're awesome, knowledgeable, full of insights, but we're not financial advisors. So don't rush to make any investment decisions based solely on our banter. Always consult with a professional or do your own research. Plus, let's face it, we like to have fun, laugh, enjoy the trading ride together. It's all in the name of good podcasting fun. So remember, take it easy, don't bet the farm, and keep your seatbelts on at all times. Thank you for listening. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the China Shop, home of the Band of Traders podcast, and sometimes referred to as your mom's podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm your host, Kyle. Joining us tonight is not only Vanta Trading's Baba Yaga and Mr. Banks, but we've also got G, Big Papa G, joining us again. hey <laughs> Longtime fans should remember that George was the one to introduce Dan and I to Futures about three years ago. So uh, that all thanks to a little newsletter, I think, that we signed up for on podcastguest.com. Yeah, you were one of like our first big names to join us. Man, what a what a wild ride! Hey, here we are. Right, all right. Super happy and proud of you guys. Ah, oh, thanks, man. It's been about two years, I think, since we last chatted. So I think we're probably just going to skip most of the usual segments, so that way we can just kind of make the most of the time that we got with you tonight. Let's do it. Uh, before that, though, let's do the promotional stuff. So I'm going to change things up. I'm going to let our honored guest go first. If you want to tell the people what you got going on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Trade Pro Academy is a business that I started, but Victorio has kind of muscled his way through and taken over lately. <laughs> and he's done a great job. But yeah, it's, it's essentially a community for traders that they get together. Like when I first started, I started because I left my job um, to trade full time and I was really bored. I'm like a kind of a personality that likes social interaction. Maybe you guys could tell, but there's really nothing around at the time. So it started with the idea of just like, let's start a trading room. And then people were nagging us, asking questions like, hey, we should do education too. So Trade Academy has basically evolved to be a community um, for futures traders and options traders, whether you're just starting intermediate to advanced phase. And one of the unique things about us is that, you know, Victorio has signed up for the crazy task of showing every one of his trades live. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a great place to kind of learn. And I would say the thing I'm most proud of is kind of the environment that, that people get to be immersed in, right? You you sign up, you don't get belittled for not knowing things. It's like, I see the team evolving and I, I just sit back and I'm like, man, this is fantastic. I wish I had that when I started. So that's what we do. That's what, what we um, we offer. George, I want to throw one more out there because you guys never promote this, but the foundations course that you put together, that's kind of like, that's just an add-in for the other packages that you guys have. That is one of the most, like comprehensive, like the place I point all new traders to is like, if you want to learn how to trade and what all this stuff is, go sign up for this. 
Thank you so much. You know what's crazy about that is sometimes we overlook it, right, with Victoria and I, because mm-hmm. it's like we forget how important a foundation is. I know it sounds silly, but right. when you do it for like five, six, ten years, twenty years, you, you kind of you forget that that is probably the most, you know, the biggest difference maker for somebody just starting out. We're here throwing terms like lifting offers, hitting bids, but really people just want to grasp the foundation. So that's thank you. Love it, man. I love it. Uh, let's see. What about you, Baba? You got anything new you want to report on for Vanta? Uh, no, I mean, chug it along, come hang out, you know, it's been a good time this week. Um, this, the last few weeks has been uh, really fun. The environment has been really, um, on the, uh, up and up. So it's a lot of people hanging out, a lot of, a lot of interaction. Um, good stuff, man. I mean, I don't have anything super magic, just, you know, come hang out. All right. Thanks. Anything to add? No, nothing really new. You know, kind of same old, same old. We're, uh, you know, still doing the morning show, morning prep. Uh, I think we're, we're going to start to plan on doing, uh, like more of the alpha drops, uh, throughout the week. Um, so other than that, it's, you know, business as usual. I love that. I love that. And I, I think that we're going to probably be talking a little bit with Vico that, what we did today, right in his YouTube stream, I think it was a lot of fun. I'd like to do yeah. a lot more of that kind of stuff. <laughs> he didn't tell me he went live, and I'm here spilling like my top like darkest secrets. You know, <laughs> he's like, yeah, we could totally hear you in the background the whole I time. Know, dude. Know. <laughs> and then Victoria goes, people from YouTube are saying this. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Why, why are you on YouTube? You're supposed to be like leading the room. <laughs> he never told you he was planning on doing no. live streams. Jokes on me, <laughs> but hey, hey, um, Kyle. The other thing I would add is. Um, if you just want to hang out, like Fridays is lighthearted and easygoing, but it's also open like to everybody. It's yeah. free. So yep. um, like it's like free free chat Friday or whatever. We do it on the shop side. And then, I don't know, we might start hanging out with, uh, with Vico a little bit on uh, YouTube here and there, at least rating them uh, from time to time. So, but uh, come, if you want to like see what, what's going on, come hang out on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Fridays are the best, especially with M periods at the end where you get to blow off a little bit of steam. Uh, but I think, oh, wait, shit. It's my turn. Normally I go first. <laughs> uh, show news for us, uh, coming out on Thursday, we've got the next installment of our new economic series. Uh, and then after that, we've got the next Clio special ready to go. This time we've got her sitting down with Purdue. Uh, we are working on getting Anthony Crudelli on for one of those. I've been trying to tease George into getting one going too. So we might have a pretty nice lineup going here, uh, we can continue doing those humanity specials let me go before anthony crudelli don't put me on after (laughs) (laughs) you might be able to he's been really hard to nail down (laughs) yeah yeah his marketing and branding's tight you know so (laughs) i know right (laughs) and his hair his hair yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. don't forget the hair i'll put a bit on the gel that he uses any day (laughs) dude yeah uh as always you can follow us on twitter at financial left one or you can join that discord that uh baba was so kind enough to mention you can get updates or send in suggestions for future topics or guests. You can visit banditraderspodcast.com to browse the guest directory, check out the deals and discounts we've collected over the years, including one for 10% off at Trade Pro Academy that I had to bribe George for two years ago, and I don't think he remembered it. <laughs> I hope the coupon still works. Well, I, did, I checked, okay, I checked it a couple weeks ago. It was still going. <laughs> Love all those links to the episode description. Keep a but... good thing running, man. <laughs> Before we uh, open things up for today's discussions, I want to touch in on some of the bull predictions that we've made since it's been about two weeks since we've uh, actually checked in on any of them. And George, that includes you too. I've got one loaded up here that you made two years ago. Last oh my time goodness. Yeah. Scared. That one. 
Two years is a long time frame, though. Come on. I, I may have been able to change my opinion if I was more active. <laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see if you want to revise it. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> all right uh, jobs report was uh, the first one that we want to touch on here. So uh, just looked up the numbers. Banks, you actually had the closest. The The actual number is 201K. You ended up with 204, but you kind of fucked yourself. Yeah, I also said 235. <laughs> yeah. So I just want the record to show I wanted to be long. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be higher. <laughs> oh well i'll take the win yeah, yeah the house the, he's the he's the bank the bank always wins i know right so. he, he just took the opposite <laughs> side of us that's just smart gamesmanship um the dealer let's see you also had one out uh no rate cuts till june that one's still looking good uh bob i didn't have anything outstanding for you i think we've Mm-mm. i think we've caught up on i think we're yours. good yeah caught up i lost the last week and then Screwed up the dates on the trivia thing so <laughs> i'm pretty much out of pocket at this point so <laughs> Uh, let's see what other predictions do we have here? okay the joel that was the one that i had i had predicted that he was going to win two m period challenges in the month of february his first two ever uh he took second twice so i'm counting that one not to mention he won today's challenge so congratulations there buddy uh and then george i think we're up to you now oh god so I uh, I went and pulled this clip, so I'm gonna see if it actually plays. It oh, here. you got a clip too? Oh my god! You couldn't just read it, Kyle. Come on. Oh. The other two predictions I was gonna make are the number one, and I honestly believe this: uh, China Shop podcast hits one million downloads in 2022. I see it for you guys. Holy, oh, that's huge. you gotta help us with our marketing then. <laughs> so did we do so- it? No, you're off by about nine hundred thousand. <laughs> hey, man, that's ten percent still. That's good. Hey, we were really happy with the growth that we saw from that year. Uh, and then I also do have to take my hats off because uh, your other prediction was that 2022 was going to present new traders with quote a lot of learning opportunities, and I think that one was spot the fuck on. That's kind of a safe prediction, though, right? I feel like I you know, say right? that about every year. Yeah, a very political answer, but. <laughs> Well, I, I'm going to have to clip out Vico's one and send that to you because uh, he gave like a 10 minute economic lesson on like sector rotations and like what the cues were going to do after the ES like peaked this top. And I need to go back like, and, and actually see how accurate it was, but it sounded pretty freaking spot on. Yeah, he gets he, he loves getting messy with the details for sure. Right. All right. Uh, that catches us up on all the bold predictions. We'll give. Maybe we'll give a uh, big Papa George here a chance to to make a new one at the end. I don't know. We'll see what kind of time we have left. Yeah. But for now, I think uh, let's just open up the uh, the floor here. Anybody got any questions they want to ask George? Uh, I can kick things off if anyone's too shy. Well, I think you have some burning questions you want to ask George, don't you? Deep in your soul. Me? Yeah. I mean, I've got one. Uh, which one was it though? The one. Careful! Okay. It's 10 p.m. on a Friday. This could be a career ender here for me. So just. <laughs> so I listened to the. I listened to the, the, listen to the first couple episodes since you've come back, uh, Mind Over Markets, which love what you're, uh, you're doing over there, man. Some of those those two episodes I listened to were like super powerful. It was really cool hearing you, you get back into it. Uh, you talked, though, a lot about um, you called it your midlife crisis and, <laughs> and pursuing a career in music. And I just want to talk a little bit about that before we go back to trading. Like how what what made you want to go like pursue that and. Do you feel like you accomplished what you set out to do? Yeah. Um, honestly, it, this has the opportunity to get a little dark. But but then there's oh, like really? sunshine at the end. Um, I actually started with music. That was kind of the first thing I would say is my true love. 
my wife listens to this podcast, you know, that I'm joking, but if she doesn't, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> like music to me was like the, the first love I had. Like I grew up in a neighborhood where, you know, it, people kind of just idolize music or like sports and, and ways to get out of that environment. So for me, music is something I always kind of felt. My mom has a lot of background in music. She used to play piano and be a singer in Bulgaria back in like communism times. And uh, when it was frowned upon. So, you know, like it was kind of always been in my blood. But when I was mm -hmm. uh, my early 20s, late teens, it's so far like ago, I don't even remember, to be honest with you. But um, March 2003, actually, one of my friends had invested in building a studio. We were doing really good work. We were recording a lot of good artists, <clears throat> um, producing music out of it. And he got in a car accident, ended up oh, passing man. away. Yeah, it was really bad. Oh, so, shit. I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, I, it's uh, <laughs> that, and that's kind of. Thank you, bro. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like what I, at the time I looked at that. I'm like, look, if you're looking for a sign that it's not the right time, like I, I kind of interpreted it that way. So I put mm -hmm. it on the back burner. Something was telling me I'd always come back to it, but but at a different stage in my life. So I walked away from that. And then, you know, about two years ago when COVID hit three now, I was like, I have time. I want to do something. You know, Victoria stopped coming to the office. The whole world shut down. So I was just right. at home. I downloaded FL Studio and kind of the passion rekindled. So I remember when you were playing around putting some of those music tracks together to, yeah. before you left, like you the, the live sessions at the end turned into G's playlist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it was actually a great exercise to just have some fun with when yeah. and not have to always look at the market. It kind of became a thing that I did while I, I helped me practice patience in trading. Right. Cause I had something else to do. Um, obviously people in the community didn't appreciate me skipping out on questions just so I could like lay down some chords, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was the time I was like, you know what, Victorio is, is at a stage where like, he, he's such a phenomenal trader. So then the transition kind of started there. Um, I know I'll, I'll for always be a trader, but I'll always be a trader for the rest of my life to some extent. Um, and I'm back into it like fully now, but music's kind of one of those avenues I chose to pursue. And, you know, like, has it been successful and how has it gone bro like the music business i used to say trading is the hardest thing in the world it's not true like music <laughs> making money off of music has to be the hardest thing in the world uh so you know it's it's a challenge but i'm not doing it for the money i'm doing it for the love and the fun and that kind of frees me from you know the shackles i get to make stuff i enjoy so you're not stepping away from it you're still doing it just uh not as not yeah, as just full time more, maybe more part-time because i have two young kids as well um you know I've, I've actually this studio i know it looks right here like a casting couch which is <laughs> like probably not the best place to be shooting this but if you actually saw the view that i'm looking at it's like crazy full of equipment i built like a really nice studio um i'm never going away from it but i've kind of just realized that life is about balance it's not about being you know to one extreme or the other and i'm just like enjoying this new balance of trading and making music and just going with whatever the heart tells you that's awesome. yeah I, I always just assumed you were just wanting to spend more time with your family. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, that, well, got him. I'm definitely not listening to this. Wow. <laughs> Seward. I'll the question was you, great. Man. And the, the, you know, the assumption, the response by me, I failed, but no, I, like, you know, what's crazy with my, my youngest son, Xavier, he actually like would fall asleep on my lap as I was playing music and he'll come into the studio and bump his head and, turn controls and stuff in the, in the equipment like he's got in his blood too so yeah. it is it is definitely a, an exercise that ties me together with my family um but you know it, 
being a father of two young kids, I've kind of went from having all the time in the world to half the time. And then in that time, now I'm trying to pack two different things, right? So it can be challenging, but super enjoyable. I was going to say, you look tireder than the last time I saw you. <laughs> Buddy, I went to bed at 4 in the morning last night. I woke up at 6.30. Yo! <laughs> You're making fun of when we record these, but this is the only time I get Baba and Banks together at the same time. Why is that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, guys. So I just curious. Yeah, I have two young kids and one on the way. Uh, Baba has five. Um, yeah, he's got five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Voluntarily. And, well, Baba, I got a couch for you, bro. You want me to share? <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this oh. year is a Trade Pro couch, by the way. This was like in the first office and their second office, then just ended up back there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's cool, though, guys. That's. Yeah, so you know, at at night it just makes it a lot easier. Kids going to bed, and I don't know, not as much noise in the background. So it's either that or at uh, you know, like right at the open, and and, and yeah, that's not yeah, happening. That's, so <laughs> no. it's funny. I proposed. I, I asked Vico a, a month ago before uh, I heard you were coming back if he wanted to join us on one of these. He found out what time it was. He's like, "Bro, I'm gonna be <laughs> like, there's no way. You guys know what time the bar's <laughs> open? I'm like, all right, dude. Sorry. One day you'll know." Yeah, we, we got a dad of five. He's for sure drunk already, right, Baba? I know, I know. This is Heiko, all around great producer, sometimes decent guy. <laughs> What's going on, man? <laughs> is he coming in to listen in? Yeah, he's going to sit on the... Bro, that's a casting couch. You can't sit there. You're going to make me look... I just called it the casting couch, and now you just go sit there. <laughs> going to at least take your socks off. <laughs> nah, you're good, bro. I'm just kidding. All right, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's get some trading topics in here. Uh, Baba, you want to kick us off with something? Uh, sure. I think it was on the pre-show notes, but, uh, so you probably haven't been intently listening to all of our episodes over the last three months, um, which is understandable, although I'd highly recommend to go back, you know, with all that spare time you have. <laughs> and, uh, Got him. But, uh, so I, I've been trading for a, a, a long while and been trading like live in a room with people in front of people for you know the last year and a half or so and um but uh, but in November I transitioned from having a full-time super flexible job um that allowed like that assurance of salary and benefits and all the perks of all that with the you know and I was able to still trade and be available to um like trading and you know, I think I, I don't know, I re-familiarized myself with some things from like, it felt like in some ways I'd never done this before, you know, like it was, there was some real challenges and I'm still, you know, dealing with um, the comfort and the adjustment of the pressure and stress of, you know, trading being, needing to be a large supporter of like my family. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've talked to a handful of guys that have been trading full time for, a, you know, a lot longer than me. I mean, I've been in the game for six, seven years, um, trading real um, consistently and seriously for the last four. And then, you know, maybe even amped up like a year ago when we started, you know, kind of being a, lo- a little more public and forward. But I just really have been working on navigating all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's been tough, dude. Like it, it's, it's been um, like in some ways it's felt like almost 
it's not starting over from a knowledge standpoint, but there's a measure of like the mental, emotional uh, side that almost felt like, oh, you thought you kind of had all of that under wraps. Well, welcome to like what it really feels like right. and and welcome to the real pressure, um, the, like the real pressure cooker. Um, when you see like so, you know, the the running joke for forever is, you know, the the gif of um Wolf of Wall Street, and he's like banging the desk, 100-point runners, you know, like we throw that around all the time. And last year, you know, especially up until November, like that was always, we were like, you know, it's always a thing. And like along with that, you know, like, and this story is an example of what I'm talking about, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts and input of your experience. But, um, you know, and that was all well and good when, you know, there's a salary coming in and like, so if you get to 80 points and it runs back and takes you a break even on your runner, like that's like, okay, yeah, that's like two G's that evaporated, but I mean, like that's not going to affect anything tomorrow. Like, but now, you know, like the hundred point runner thing is like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, get to 50, 60 points. I'm good to be flat and high five myself. And, you know, like, I'm not going to let that come back anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't justify logically staring at a you know large portion of a mortgage payment just evaporate back out from under you even though you you know go into the trade with three four contracts and scale you know inside the first 30 or 40 points then you're kind of hanging on to that one like some of those things that like i never thought about that much before banks used to give me such a hard time by like my God, if you had all the points back on the trades that you tried to get a hundred points on or or more, <laughs> like you would be killing it. Like, why do you why do you let them come back? I was like, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, hundred point runners for the gift. Like, it's fun. It's it's like that's not a thing now. Like, it's it's definitely not something I'm I'm interested in watching evaporate. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you transitioned into kind of supporting your family, trying to support your family with trading full time. Did you experience some of those similar challenges or are you about to tell me I'm alone here and good luck, you know, figure it out, kid? Never, bro. I've never had a losing day. What are you talking about? I'm just kidding. Man, okay. That's nice. No, no, no. That's How fair, much is Trade Pro Academy again? So. And now a word from the sponsor. No, like right. I, I'm going to keep it 100% real with you, bro. When I, when I left scotiabank where i worked so i started there as a trader i was trained as a trader i was licensed for options and equity trading um the futures desk was a completely different operation at the time for the institutional clients but when like i was trained as a trader and having the comfort of that job i always performed well like the last year of of my career at scotia i was actually doing sales and my job was to be on the road and go to branches and sell investment products and i could tell you like factually like for the whole year that I was pretty much testing myself to see if I would leave or not. Because you know that one year where you're like, all right, I'm going to set myself some benchmarks. And if I hit them, I'm ready to leave my job. You know what I'm talking about? Like giving yourself the confidence. So that year for me, I, I made more money out of trading than I did working for the bank. So I, I had that confidence. It was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I barely did my actual job. Like I wasn't on the road. I was just calling people and booking like actual branch meetings, which is not good. But I'm like, hey, look. <laughs> I'm transitioning here and I'm still doing the job. I I was still like a top performer, but I just found a way to make it work for me. So I had this confidence where I'm leaving and I'm like, this is going to be great. Life is going to be fantastic. And then I left in September of 2016, October, I lost $25,000 US and November, I lost, I think 40. So, you know, two months after leaving, I was like, okay, what, like, 
I could swear, right? Yeah. Like, what the fuck yeah, happened? Yeah. Like, the f- like, how was I so good before? And suddenly, like, a monkey would probably beat my, my trading percentages. You know, like, what what is the root of this? And I actually remember having one day when I was laying on the floor of my condo at the time. And Reese, then my girlfriend, who's now my wife, comes in. And she's like, she goes, what the hell are you doing? I'm laying on, the, like, a movie scene. Laying on the floor, a bottle of, like, empty Jack Daniels. <laughs> You know, probably had a cigarette in my mouth. A double whopper. And, yeah. And she's like, double whopper sauce on my shirt because I probably ate it already. And she's like, what do you, What the hell happened? I'm like, I had the worst day. I'm like, this is the first time I was actually honest with her about my performance after leaving work. Because she obviously knew, like, guys, when we do well, we tell everybody and their cousins <laughs> about it, right? So this is the first time I actually opened up to my wife and said, like, look, and, and this is deep, too, because, you know, challenges your role as a provider, too. So I, I told her, I'm like, look, I'm actually losing money. I'm doing extremely bad. And I probably have three to four months of this pace and, and I'm done. Like, I, I'm not I have to go back to my boss and beg him for the job. And so essentially, when, when that kind of moment hit, I'm like, what what actually caused these trades? And what I ended up doing is going back. And basically, my wife said, she said, do you want to do this or do you want to go back to working a full-time job again? She's like, I support you, whatever. And I'm like, I, I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I do want to, despite being down, I do want to try actually making this work again because I know I have it. I just got to find my way. She's like, then get the fuck up off the floor and clean yourself up. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, you're not going to do it from down there. So to me, like, that was my low. That was my absolute low. And then I went back and I looked at my trades and I removed the ones that I wouldn't have done when I had the security of the job. And this might shock you guys. I was profitable. You know, all the losses happened from these new trades I was inventing. And so I kind of go and trace those trades back. I'm like, I'm doing this out of pressure, right? I'm overcompensating. I'm entering bigger trades to erase the losses, sizing up at the worst times. When I have a good run, I have $1,000 of profit. Let's say I'm like, oh, that's a good payment for my mortgage. I then reduce the risk taking when I really should just be stepping on it. So I, I nailed down the behaviors that were leading these losses. And I kind of just reminded myself, like, look, if you're going to do this for a living, like, you have one life, man. And like the reality of trading is if you're going to fail, you're going to fail fast and hard. Like it's not one of those jobs where you're, you're going to be mediocre. You're going to do great. Or you're going to just go for the ruins like I did. Um, so adapting to that, I said to myself, okay, the one thing I have to change for my trading is when I have a fucking profit, I have to take some off. So i I became really um, disciplined in my rulemaking. I said, okay, like, here, what's my target? That's the first time in my life I had a target for the day, for the month, for the week. Up to that point, I was just going with it, right? So mm-hmm. created super strict rules. How much money do I have to make to pay my mortgage? Do I want to live life just to pay my mortgage? No. How much do I have to make to really enjoy this lifestyle? How much money do I have to make for the fact that now I'm giving up a career in 10 years? If my trading doesn't work out, I'm, I'm pretty much unemployable. Right. What did you do the last 10 years? I gambled. Like, what is the opportunity cost (laughs) that I'm really giving up of a career I could have had in a bank? Right. At the time, like I was in a leadership development program. I had opportunities for director, you know, like who knows how these things go. But VP, SVP level was in my sight. Like naturally, I'm kind of ambitious, but that's that to me was the goal. So I look at that. I'm like, I'm not going to give all this stuff up just to goof around in the market. I'm going to actually take this and turn it into a job. So I guess to make it short. My my biggest takeaways from that kind of downfall, literally on the ground with an empty bottle of Jack Daniels and my wife finding me that way, is like I gotta I gotta be more disciplined in this. How much money am I making? So when I get a thousand dollars, like Baba, you said 
you have 100 points and then you used to take 40, right? Because when you're not relying on it, who cares if it's 100 or 40, right? 40, 100, mm-hmm. 60, doesn't really matter. You're not relying on it. But now that you are, what one of the biggest changes to me is I started um, locking in profit quicker. So yeah, I didn't have 100 point winners in the first couple months when I adjusted my trading, but I did have a 10 point winner every damn time. And so mm-hmm. I would nail that initial um the initial target and I calculated my initial target to pay my mortgage and my lifestyle. And I just kept doing that over and over and over and over again. When I made the money back that I lost, I started to get the confidence back. I said, all right, I could scale up that first target. I could start going for 20 points, 30 points. Cause like, if you're going to make 50 points, the only time you make 50 points, if that's your target is when you make 50 points, you know what I mean? If I'm going for only 10 points, I'm going to win every single time that you get your 50 points. And the times that you don't, you know what I'm trying to say? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going for those um, trades where like I'm paying the bills. I'm going to make this a job first and then I'm going to make it a dream. So I kind of, that, that was the approach I took, but man, those days were dark and it's not really like, it's not the money that, that really affected me. It's like, man, I'm failing as a man, you know, like it's deep. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to kind of t- like the, your approach to, cause we've had multiple discussions here about targets and, uh, we've had Rich on here. He, first time we ever saw him like scream at anybody was yelling at us about having targets, and that's not a good idea. Uh, but I kind of like the approach that you you talked about there. The it's not necessarily like having targets per se, but it's about making sure that you're getting paid, and then actually having some like thought put into like how you've structured that whole setup or that whole system. Exactly. Like your first take profit is the most important one, is what it sounds like. For sure, and like. You know, the, the quickest way to stop losing money is just to stop losing trades, right? And I know it sounds like super simple to say that, but I, that's when I took a hyper focus on risk. Because when you have, like, look, when, you, when you're when you working a full-time job and trading on the side, like, let's face it, there isn't, like, survival risk. Like, if you blow out your trading account, you work at your regular job four more months, you save up for another trading account, right? But when you're relying on your living from trading, the risk is amplified. So really like taking a focus on the the loss management side, like I'll tell you what happened to my P&L. I started scratching a lot, like scratching mean I'd get into a trade. And then the first site where I had like, you know, I got in because I had four different reasons. I just lost these two reasons. You know, I started being more aware of those rather than hoping and saying, ah, it's going to go my way. It's like, I, I like the trade based on this and I just lost half of the things I liked. Should I still be in this trade? Mm-hmm. So scratching my way out of trades is what kind of gave me the confidence that I could pay my bills because it kind of hypnotized me to believe I am in control of my loss. I could cut it at any point. It didn't just hypnotize me. It created the, like the mind muscle connection that you're actually doing it. Right. It's one thing mm-hmm. to say, ah, I'm going to cut my loss. When you click it, you've actually accepted it. So for me, scratching trades and like, yeah, having a target, but if it turns against me, I got out. It was really what gave me the confidence to be like, I can do this as a job. Because every dollar that I lose in the market, I've allowed that to happen, right? It kind of puts you in the driver's seat. And it's empowering, to be honest with you. It's kind of fascinating, the idea of using the flatten button instead of letting the stops take you out and building that, like taking control of your your losses is kind of what that feels like. Like yeah. I'm choosing to end this trade, not not the markets. Like it's like you're taking something back almost. For sure. Now there's going to be times when you do that, right? And then that's your 100 point trade that you would have had and you scratched out of it, right? (laughs) Right. It does come with that too. So it's just, it's definitely a balance. But I think at the beginning, like, Bob, I don't know, maybe I just went on a huge tangent and there was nothing helpful to you there. But like, I think the part of the pressure of trading full time for income is that like you're now, (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, brother. Like, you know, that's the, those are the things that are the difference makers um, to me is like just hyper control of that risk until you get a few small wins. Like I was going for home runs, bro. I quit my job and I was making $150,000 Canadian, which is like $12 US. But <laughs> nonetheless, yeah, got it before you, know, I could. <laughs> you know, I digress a little bit. It's, it's still considered money over here. Uh, <laughs> and then on top of that, there's a bonus, right? That I, I was having. So I started like, I was in the realm making good money as, as a 20 something year old. And so when I left my job, I go to trading and now I just, of course, I don't say I want to make 60. I'm, I want to make 200 now, a million, like Wolf of Wall Street type lifestyle. But I, I think setting an unrealistic expectation is setting yourself for failure. So like dial it back, make it boring, make it a job, pay the bills with small points regularly, like focus on eliminating risk as quickly as you can. And then keeping that win rate decent. And then when it's boring and sustainable, it gives you the confidence. Then you can stretch it out to as much as you want. Cause if you know how to make $200 a day, you know how to make 20,000 a day, right? Like, in a regular job, you have to work your whole life to continuously get the next promotion. The fascinating thing about trading is you only get promoted once, right? You're either not profitable or profitable. Once you become profitable, 50-year career promotions happens on the day you become profitable. It's all about just scaling. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that too is one of the things. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of what you said is stuff that either we've – like grown through, worked through, or talked through either along the way of our journey. Like Banks and I have been trading together since day one. Like he's the one that introduced me to futures. Before that, I was trading crypto and, you know, small caps. So, um, and you go, like I went through this journey of, you know, trying to trade one or two, um, uh, like regular contracts, one or two minis. And I was like, man, it'd be a lot better if I had like some room to scale, but I don't have enough capital like you know looking back a few years ago so like i've talked about this before like i dropped back to like trading batch of micros like even like five six seven micros and just trying to maximize the results of that the flexibility of scaling those and then looking up at the end of a week or a few weeks or a couple months and just like the points that you're able to stack Mm -hmm. you know like you look back at the number of points you're able to stack over the course of a few days or a month with, you know, five or six contracts. Well then, you know, when things don't matter and it's whatever you, you know, we started sliding over and trading, you know, four five, six minis. And, you know, obviously the points then equal a lot more money, but it's also like, you know, it's different when, you know, and then trying to get that to feel as boring as the, as what the micros felt. That was like a big exercise. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that before, Kyle. Mm-hmm. And then like even a couple weeks ago, like the last stretch of time, the last few weeks have been much better. But the, but like the last, I would say the last couple of weeks of November, so the middle of November is when I left. The last couple of weeks of November, it was just like not really a big deal. December was pretty like hit or miss. And then January was super annoying towards the end of January and into February. Think, you know, I actually talked a lot more like banks knew kind of this and like i'm trading live in front of the room like people see you know what i'm doing it's not like i'm melting accounts on a daily basis or anything but i look at what i've been able to produce say like six or eight months ago consistently and relatively easily compared to 
you know, the last or, you know, like January. And it's like, God almighty, like you said, it, I mean, look at Banks. He's laughing because he knows like uh, either he's laughing at me or laughing because of the irony. But it's no, like the chat. What are, you, oh, what are they saying? Are they making fun no, of me? No, no, no. Oh, OK. I was about to say. Oh, full port. Yeah, that's true, too. Just let it rip. Um, I guess that is an option. But anyways, just like that point you just made about like making it boring is something that I've really tried to lean back into lately. Mm -hmm. Like um, the last few weeks, just like getting reacquainted with that. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, fireworks. Uh, I don't really care. Like the room, everyone that we trade with, super supportive, super helpful like good folks, like no one's um, putting pressure on me to like be the guy, even though I'm, you know, sort of on every day and doing my deal. And it's really been like an exposing thing. Like just to be frank, like, you know, 10 months ago, I was like 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm the, I'm the freaking man, you know, and to go through a bit of a reformation, reformation of your trading and a new challenge and it be kind of public, like, um, and it's not, again, it's not like tank fest 2024, but it just hasn't had the same vibe as it had prior. Like that part's been a little bit challenging, but I, I think that the boring part that you mentioned is something that we talk about a lot. Um, and even banks has been encouraging me to, to, to really like be real sharp, sh a lot sharper on entries and, um, to get to scratch quicker is mm -hmm. one thing we've talked a lot about. And if you look at my trading today, um, just as an example, that was like front of mind coming into today, which we, you know, had a great morning, but I also scratched or like had three point stops, you know, on or four point stops on NQ on like, you know, three trades anticipating something. And it took three stabs to get it, but I also didn't sit there and eat, uh, you know, 15 point stop, 15 point stop, 15 point stop on three contracts each time and be sitting there staring down three grand, you know, right. 10 minutes into the market. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm saying all that to say I'm glad to hear that 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 there's a, an uptake time of like kind of getting settled into the new emotional for sure part and the, and the pressure of it. And I guess in another way, it's awkward to be the guinea pig for our our whole like crew because <laughs> yeah, i'm yeah. like the guy over here it's a lot of extra pressure to like think about being an like man what you're doing and what we do is like i don't think it's as appreciated because imagine being lebron james but at the same time that you're actually playing basketball you have a mic and you're explaining i'm about to lay up right now watch this all right so the form <laughs> i'm gonna take as you're like actually doing this yeah. layup like like I'm it's, dunk on it's this unheard of right <laughs> trading is a super high performance sport and i think like like another analogy comes to mind, you know, when you finish college and you're so excited. To no, I wait, actually what? don't know what no. that's like. No. All right. Yeah. Perfect. I just went five years and then the, my advisor, my advisor high five me and I was like, oh, that's five it. years and no diploma. Cool. All right. Well, imagine like training for a certain field. <laughs> <and then laughs> you finally get this job in the field that you've been training for. Right. Like, OK, fine. Forget college. These days, kids learn on the Internet anyways, like TikTok University, you know, so like. Let's say you spend time educating yourself and learning about a craft. You build this con like conception of, of idea of what it's going to be like. And you, you go to that new job. And this whole time you've been selling yourself an idea of what you're going to do with your career on the positives. And you sit down at the desk. You're like, oh, man, this is not nearly as sexy as I painted that picture in my own head. Right. The realities of how this is actually a real job and the things that you didn't know you were missing. Now you come to terms with the moment you sit at that desk. 
trading is the same thing, right? So anyone who's making that transition to do it full time, guys, there's negatives that that there's YouTube channels that aren't too excited to share with you. This is why mm-hmm. I love what you guys do because you're you're so open about it. You know, <laughs> you're like, well, how can you not be? I mean, you like, there's you know, 15, 20, 30 people at a time at, at different times, they see it. I mean, they see and hear it. Like they're, they're there. What am exactly. I going to say? Oh, just, just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I got them. Gotcha. <laughs> just kidding. Like, like somewhat like, oh uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm down 60 points right now, but uh, just kidding. I have another account where I'm actually up 180. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, come on, you know, I mean, I that yeah. honestly dude, um, to like change, I don't want to dominate it all on like Baba's little adventure to be a pro. The the only other thing I'll say is like, then Banks talked about this uh, another time. It's like the timing of when this happened for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my trading, like my reps and my like trading was fine. I wasn't like waiting for like, oh, once I get over this next hump or anything, then I'll go for it. But I also just wasn't planning for that transition when it happened. It just was like, this is the best time based on like the demands of the career that I had before and like what's in front of me and like what I'm about to either lock down and commit to for another chunk of time, or like Mm -hmm. we can just call it here and then I can, you know, set sail on this next adventure. And that was really, that was really kind of the thing that kind of that dictated the timing of it, not all right, we've got, you know, a year of, you know, bankroll for this Mm -hmm. new excursion into trading you know, like that, the, the timing of it was a little uh, self-imposed granted, but it was not, you know, wasn't the most if you could, long planned if out. You could thing. do it again. <laughs> you'd plan it differently. Maybe. Yeah, probably. I mean, not, a, not a ton, but I would do a couple things different for yeah. sure. Yeah. But when yeah. is the perfect time to leave a comfortable job that your mom's been telling you, she's so proud of you to do your whole life and just say, fuck yeah. all this. I'm going to go trade, you know, like yeah. My dad still has no idea how to tell his friends what I do. Yeah, my grandfather in Bulgaria is like, okay, so what do you do? I'm like, I explained it to him, and he's like, I I make money. Lift things? Do you move stuff with your hands? I'm like, no. He's like, then who the fuck is paying you? I'm like, oh my god, like I'm not. (laughs) I'm not gonna get through to this guy, right? So it's like, (laughs) I create wealth. What's uh... yeah, exactly. I don't understand what the problem is. So there's never a perfect time, and honestly, I think just allowing yourself a little time to, to have a trend, like to actually transition to adjust right because we're so hard on ourselves as traders we're performers like i always joke i don't look like an athlete but my brain is is like an athlete you know i'm like 70 pounds over the weight of a of a of a healthy athlete but mentally you have to have that kind of game so like you got to give yourself some time i think people are really hard on themselves too of the expectations that they have you want to hear something wild george yeah talk about the mental things being a sport uh chess players like actual no shit grandmasters when they get done playing a tournament like they have like the same kind of calorie losses as marathon runners wow yeah that's game right there so that's how i work out now i play chess (laughs) yeah these two nerds we're on a group i'm on a group chat with these two nerds over here and they're like, oh, that bishop in the middle, that pawn to G2, man, that really got me. And I'm over here reading this stuff. Like, I only chess I play is, like, the one-minute or, like, five-minute, like, ultra-bullet speed games. Like, I can't do this. These guys sit there and mull over a position for, like, five minutes before they move it. That's, Banks is, he, it's yeah, unbelievable. Banks is, he's stolen some wins, man. I bet up, like, rooks and bishops out of it. He's managed to sweep out a win out of it. Like, ah, Drives me nuts. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. 
Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackie it happen for you. The best way to reach her is to just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Have you guys ever tried putting a heart rate monitor on yourselves while you trade? Yeah, there's a couple of people who do. Bear does that in the audience. He uh, He's a big proponent of that. Yeah, it's actually, it's mind-blowing. Like, to me, I, I was at a point where, like, I had this idea. Like, I'm a dinosaur. I don't I don't look at it, but I'm 38 years old um, as of Dude, this year. So same. Yeah? Uh, Solid. Yeah, bro. Let's go, baby. <laughs> now you're 37. You're Benjamin Button. So, like, when I had this idea to do this heart rate monitor thing, like, I had to buy a device, like, this big to, to do it back in the day because I, I had this idea, like, like I literally, like, a cardiology machine, you know? I had to go get one from a hospital. And they didn't sell it to me, obviously. But the point I'm making is what I thought it would show me versus what what I actually discovered once it became, it became more stream and cheap to buy, like the Fitbits way back in the day, is I my heart rate didn't drop while I was trading. The longer I traded, I just became better at managing it. So, like, your heart rate is still elevated, like 20-some-odd years in the game. Like, I measure myself occasionally. And my heart rate is still, like, it's not 170. I'm not sweating, but it's... <laughs> definitely higher than my resting heart rate right and so that tells you that quantifiably that tells you that no matter how hard you try to make this feel like there's no risk you're not lying or cheating anybody your body knows you're taking on risk so just embrace that right manage it be in it for for a small period of time because as much as you're losing money you're losing health which you can't replace so it's like that to me was also a catalyst to be like holy shit, like it's fun in games. I'm taking these big risk trades and sometimes they pay off. Sometimes I lose, but I'm losing health. I can't top that account up yeah. if it blows out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a tough one. Bear says he uses a Polar H10 chest band for heart rate monitoring. If it goes over 100, then he knows he's emotionally compromised and takes a break. See, that's awesome. See, like quantify, like, and I wouldn't take that number and everyone just apply mm-hmm. it. I'd find your own, but, but with that technology, mm-hmm. it's actually like really really interesting like your for your heart rate to escalate <laughs> you know that's a serious uh, chemical process going on in your body that you can't ignore says it took him a while to dial that in i remember him ta- we were doing an m period challenge and he would throw on his heart rate monitor and was like hitting some of those numbers that like we're in sim mode like just doing a friendly competition and he's he's noticing some spikes on that like that's crazy spikes and dips if your heart rate dips then you should probably stop right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> if that thing slows down <laughs> if it dips too much and too fast yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh that's interesting and that's also a little more measurable which we 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 talk to folks a lot about writing down um not the emotions you feel when things come undone so like if you have like a blow up day like um, but writing down the things that like the the couple of mile markers right before that like having right. those things like literally written out so you know like when I say the phrase whatever for me. What am I doing right now? Yeah, what am I doing? Or who would be buying who would be buying this here? Love that. Love like that. Like when I if I think the phrase who would be buying this here or who would be selling this here, 
if you think like if I think that usually that's like three or four steps before I'm like trying to fight a waterfall move in one direction <laughs> or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? And so having those yep. written out, you know, that's way before you've done any damage. Truly, you may have taken a stop or two, but you haven't. I mean, that's part of the deal. Like, but you haven't you haven't unwound something that's going to take days to to get back. Um, but having or the heart the heart rate or weeks or months, but the heart rate thing is a is a that doesn't depend on you. Like that's quantifiable. You can see that, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's really interesting. But I, I do want to give Banks a chance here to weigh in. We talked a lot about scratch, and that's kind of his forte. I don't know if he had anything he wanted to add to that conversation. Yeah. So I actually I, I started off as a scalper. So the fastest I could go to break even, the better. Um, and I'd be willing and I'd be willing to take, you know, a break even trade any day, knowing once you get into that good trade, it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, usually I would trade a little bit more size, but my take profits were a lot smaller, but the risk was, uh, was limited as well. Now I've kind of settled into taking more of what the market's going to give me for, you know, what I look at for liquidity wise, what I look at for, you know, market structure. Uh, but I, I do like the, I do like the point that you talk about of, of always paying yourself on that trade. Um, so, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that first take profit is brought in a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've never actually thought of that. It's more of like, if this trade is going to work, it's going to work, um, where I'm going to have that change of structure. I'm going to have that market move that I'm looking for, or I'm taking a break even on the move that goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've never, I've never really, I mean, I've, I've thought of it before, but since I've kind of switched, it's been a little bit more of a uh like i want to see more of structure move you know and not and and not as much of you know five points ten points or whatever it is i want to see that move develop damn it if you're gonna switch yours up then i'm gonna have to relook at mine too because <laughs> i learned where my i learned to take my take profits from the liquidity stuff that we've talked about a lot well and and that's the thing i mean if if that's your structure i mean you just got to lean into that like but the you know the thing about what i think like going back to what baba was talking about like just to get a hundred point runner to me doesn't make sense just to say that you did it. Mm-hmm. It makes sense if you're taking it off at a spot where you think the market could change um, where, and that may be 80 points and maybe 70 points, maybe 150 points, whatever it is. But, you know, I mean, you got to look at what your trade is there and what your game plan is like, like a, tw- like a 20 point take profit in the middle of nothing doesn't really mean anything for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if, 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 if buyers are going to prove something, they need to have this move to go take something out. And that's, that's what I've always lent on is like that change of liquidity of where buyers need to prove it and where they need to go to. Yeah. I love the idea too, of like kind of blending the two a little bit. We've talked about that because I've pulled my targets in dramatically, you know, compared to what they once even were like a month ago, I've tried to peel those things in, but at the same time, you know, there's like give and take. It's one of the nice things to be able to trade a handful of contracts versus just being like in onesie twosies. I think onesie twosie trading is actually way harder than fivesie sixies as long as you're not entering like a, a moron for the most part, you know, <laughs> because you can pay yourself a little bit, you know, just to cover the cost of doing business. And then you can, and you have a batch of contracts to, to, to challenge, you know, okay, if, if buyers, are going to win this moment or this next 15 minutes of moments or whatever, this swing high is is what we have to get. Or this, you know, where we broke off, where this offer came in heavy, like we've got to go turn it on those guys' head. And then that creates the opportunity for the next, 
you know, push higher. I mean, it's, it's a little give and take there. That's why I like, you know, having more contracts. It's, it gives you a little flexibility. You know what I mean? Like you get yourself paid a little bit and then you kind of play with it. I'm not sure if I'll ever go away from micros just for that reason, just the extra flexibility, unless I'm trading like six minis like you are one day. Well, I'm not trading six minis right now. I mean, trading three or four, right. you know, um, I actually talked to banks a couple of days ago about switch, like trading like 15 micros or even 20 just yeah. for the flexibility, just for yep. the flexibility of, yeah. our, you know, scale a little here, scale a little here. The overall risk is less, but also I think, um, that gives the opportunity to perform. Man, I would have had a lot of more, a lot more exits today if I was trading 15 <laughs> micros instead of you know three or four or whatever it was um, minis when we were moving moving along. But yeah, Banks, you got anything else? Sorry, we kind of delved off into that. No, no, I, I mean going into the scaling part. I mean, you know, like you know, like what you said. I mean, that I think scaling is probably the hardest part about trading. Um, cause it means that you're sizing up and when you're sizing up, typically you, I don't know, I guess it's just the psychological factor of seeing more P and L or seeing, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's, there's something that goes from going from one to two, two to three, but you know, like today, like, you know, what we talk about, like, it's a good thing to run out of runners. Mm-hmm. It sucks when you see it go another hundred points, but, <laughs> but, 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 but in all honesty, like the normal rotation on NQ is not 400 points. It's, right. you know, imagine if <laughs> it were, you know, yeah, I know, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like, and I, and I think that's where people get, and I even sent the, you know, a text over to Baba. I'm like, dude, I left so much on the table today, but I would assume most people did. I mean, yeah. I can say exactly what you said. He gave me a number, a figure number in the thousands. And he's like, this is how much I left on the table today. And I was like, well, you but, know, you'll have that. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, you're, you're going to run out of scales on a trend day. But it's yeah. a matter of man. It's a matter of imagining uh, or I guess managing those rotations within a normal trading day. Like, a, you know, a trend day happens. And I don't know the statistic. Maybe you do. But I would say it happens. Typically, 30 is thrown around. 30 percent trend. Yeah, days, it's like tw- yeah, it's like yeah. 25, 27 yeah. percent of the days have like our categorical trend day characteristic type. So um, no tick OR or barely ticking the OR yep. in one direction, staying above VWAP, blah, blah, blah. All the things, IB mid holds, you know, blah, blah, all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, it's like 20, yeah, it's like 25, 30%, 27, I think of when I ran the numbers, but. Yeah. And, and, you know, with, with just knowing that factor and you're looking at your normal rotation of what your move is, say it's 40 to 80 points. And you have a runner set for one of those days, you're gonna leave a shit ton of money on the table. Yeah, just just when you look at it, and and I think that's that's one of the hardest parts about trading is because you see these move happen, and you're like, you know, hindsight, it's easy to say that, but you're like, man, I could have held that thing all day. But but in the you know, but when you're looking about scaling, like you know, going back to your point, more often than not, when you don't scale at you know 10, 20, you know, thirty points. You're you're most likely going to take a break even stop or take a mm-hmm. stop on that trade. So yeah, yeah I, I do think I do think bringing it in, especially with where we're trading too. I mean, trading Just, at all time yeah. highs is not <laughs> not an easy thing to do. Right. I think the two thing two more thoughts I have about that. I was telling Kyle, you know, give me a few more weeks, I'll be flying with the Eagles again. Like we'll we'll be the runner brothers together. Like I'm cool to Woo! let them run uh, when we get to a certain point. I'll jump back in the 100-point runner game strong, big strong. But um, 
um, I've been really looking at those ro- the rotation stuff. Me and J Mac and someone else might have been Bear had a great conversation midweek about rotations and like expectations and scaling and just the practical application of that. And one of the things that um, I did a, a little bit of work on last few days, something I was working on before, kind of kind of quit paying a whole lot of attention to it, is like leaning into a, a certain range of about like two rotations of NQ. So looking at like 80 points roughly as like a, a kind of that chunk of the market, like an 80 point range, um, defining that, quantifying where you would say range low and high is and navigating the bulk of everything inside of that. Um, and, and even inside of that, like the first 45 points or so is like that's the pay dirt and then everything else is icing. Because if you think of like a volume profile, uh, you know, and our, and, um, you know, we have our value where 70% of the activity happens and then we have the tails. It's a great world to think that you live in the world where you buy the bottom tail, sell the top tail, and you don't scale anywhere in the middle. But in reality, so much of the price action, even for like day types, what's the most common thing we see? S- seven out of 10 days is not. 400 points one direction it's not super strong trend one direction it's that 40 to 80 point impulse move and then that roll up and back down and then we kind of boil a little bit and sweep and then we might rotate another you know rotation and a half so learn like just accepting that that's more common and then leaning into paying myself inside of that something that i've really kind of put to the front forefront here super recent which i think is going to be helpful it just alleviates a little bit for me, like just alleviates a little bit of like, even like you said, G, like, what is your target? What are you trying to get? Like I have structural targets, so they may be pretty stretched out. So like mm-hmm. when I don't have a great structural target, like that gives me something to lean into, you know? Exactly. Like, at, yeah. Oh, sorry. My bad. No, no, no. Take it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Now I got to say something great. Um, Like, you, you know what it is to me? Like, I, I think how many days can you wake up and say today we're going to move 100 points and be correct about it? Like zero, I'd say, right? Like, I think the problem is that we're benchmarking ourselves according to what happens in the market and not what our analysis was. Because like on the, every morning you do your analysis, say, hey, I lo- have a level here that's 30 points away, right? And then it ends up being a 100 point day. And now you're like, holy shit, I could have had 100 points. But your goal at the beginning was 30 points. So now mm-hmm. the jobs change. You've done the job and you're looking for more. And that's equivalent to like working at a bank and your boss says, here's a report. You have to finish by 9 p.m. on a Friday. You can't go out with your friends so you're done. And you finish it and you're like, I want to stay longer. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> who is that psycho? You know, like, <laughs> sure, maybe they're, they're the ones that get promoted. But at what cost? Right. Like then right. the day it's like. The, the job isn't for you to compare yourself to what the market's doing. It's to compare yourself to what your analysis has done. Because if you expected 30 points and you've captured 25 of them, but you missed 75 on a 100-point day, I would argue that you've done the job really well because mm-hmm. this was your reasonable expectation in the morning. Yeah. Now you got a Hail Mary and you're suddenly yeah. changing your expectation to get more of it, which yeah. that's not that's not how the game plan was, right? So Yeah, I love that. It's super easy to... To, to look at things with hindsight and get real critical on yourselves, but you didn't know that information beforehand. That's so. why that's why writing down a plan, which I'll yeah. just plug this, writing down a plan, writing down levels, writing down um, kind of your go, no-go spots, and then reviewing that at the end of the day, which we've talked so much this year about narrowing the gap between the prep work and what you're able to accomplish. And I think for me, that's the benchmark. 
is what we what what we planned and what where we wanted to participate. We look back and go, okay, I did or did not fall in line with that. And um, you know, I think that's man, that's like gold, dude. You said uh, you had to come up with something good to say, but you did a great <laughs> job coming off the dome. So thank you, man. And that's how you make trading boring, right? Make it yep. predictable, make it expectable, and don't fall in love with random girls just walking by just stick to the one that you you know you build the relationship have your plan <laughs> execute that don't I'll let everything it. lure yeah. you into a new direction and different side That's street right. for the night you know go right. execute the plan I, you guys have both touched on this boring aspect making trading boring and i i wanted to kind of throw this out there just uh, listen to that second episode that you did since you come back and that was one where you talked a lot about like when trading gets boring like lean into that don't don't try to overcomplicate it again. And that was a trap that I think I'd found myself falling into a lot. It could start to get kind of boring or I feel like I wasn't doing enough. Like I'm doing the same things I've been doing, but it just, sometimes when it feels simple, it feels like it needs to be complicated to be successful. Yeah. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. And if you constantly increase introducing complexity just for the sake of doing that, it just sets you back so far. You know, what's yeah. fascinating about that is that what you're actually going for when you're trying to make a job exciting is dopamine, right? And mm -hmm. it's fantastic. If, if you're so excited trading, it's great in the first year or two. And then if the third year you're still excited, I would argue you're on a crash course trajectory. Like if there shouldn't be any excitement because you're taking the wrong thing from it, right? That dopamine increases yeah. what you end up craving. And we talk about trading being a career. One way to make it a career is to not get addicted to you know, <laughs> doing it. And, and there is borderline addiction there too, right? Being in a trade, it's like you don't have to be in a trade to be called a trader. In fact, mm -hmm. I, I bet most people who are starting out would be shocked by how few trades successful traders make because, hey, here's a novel idea, right? You wait for the right setup and you take that one. So I think like <laughs> that's kind of important to remember, too. That's why boring is good because right. what's happening is what you plan to happen. And, and, and that's fine. Like, it means that, you're not being enough. surprised as much. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. Banks, banks talked a lot about that, like the need to be almost like addicted to it in order to like be able to take in all the knowledge and everything that you got to do to supercharge that learning curve in the first year or two. But you have to like grow out of that, I think is what the way you kind of phrase that. Yeah. I mean, in, in year one and two, I mean, to, to get through that learning process and that curve and kind of develop yourself, I think you almost have to be. But then there was a point where like, like I would trade, like I would try to be like, man, I got to trade overnight during the day. I got to be looking at the markets all the time. And then I got to a point where I'm just like, at night, I'm never going to look at this market. Mm -hmm. um, and now, like, if there's a setup there, like, I'll take, you know, I'll trade it. But I really don't, I really don't try to trade anything overnight or anything on those type of setups because it just gives, it clears your mind. You know, you kind of step away, look back and, you know, spend time with the family. And um, it's just, it's just not as important as it was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But, but I do think like at the beginning, like you almost have to be addicted to it. Uh, to a sense to where you kind of develop into that, you know, in, like into the way that you want to trade. Um, You've got to devour knowledge like like it's going out of style. Banksy, yeah. you say so much in such a like concise and small, like you just lay it down so precise, bro. It's impressive. Like you communicated like, so much with that statement. I think if people actually take that in and think about it, it's actually mind blowing because he yeah. drops the zingers too. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> that would have taken me 45 minutes to explain, bro. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind I kind of have to because you know, with with working at a bank, you kind of have to you, you kind of have to dumb it down a little bit for people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I thought he was about to say. I didn't mean here. I didn't mean here though. By the way, I thought yeah. I thought I thought he was about to say he has to get it compact and in in like one sentence because he hangs out with me all the time and I just <laughs> blow it out like diarrhea from the mouth. So. <laughs> I got one last point I wanted to say yeah. on that. And it was the the growth for me, I think, finally came from the realization that it's fucking exhausting to be emotionally <laughs> tied to the markets yeah. like that. Like to have the PL like be like the thing that makes you either happy or sad. And like eventually I just got tired of that or I almost feel like that emotion got kind of burned out of me. And now that's mm. like my big warning sign. If I start to feel that, like that's why I took uh Wednesday and Thursday off this past week, I started to feel some hints of that returning on Tuesday. And I was like, you know what? I need to stop and get this right now. Wow. That's profound. Cause like when you have kids, when I had mm-hmm. kids at the end, like I didn't realize how much I was exhausting myself when I didn't have kids. Cause then when my kids wanted to play with me afterwards and like, you know, like dad, you're finished working. I had nothing to give them mentally. So that's actually a really good point. It's like, yeah, you got to have mental capital after you're done trading too. It's not just for trading. Cause you finished trading at 11. Then what are you going to be like? comatose for the rest of the day it's not <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure my wife loves it when i you could finish trading and just want to go lay down and take a nap and forget yeah. about the day you know <laughs> so fun kyle <laughs> yeah it's like are we gonna do anything today or are you just gonna go sit in the basement all morning <laughs> yeah, a little of that hey can i um gee can i ask you uh something else you said something i'm pretty uh i pretty i really appreciated what you said i'd love yet would share some more thoughts about it you said trading can be difficult um and that uh you know whatever i don't remember the exact phrase and you said there's there's things like that that people on youtube channels probably wouldn't want to tell you Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we have found or i would say we have found let me i gotta be i'd like to be really intentional about how i phrased this question (laughs) um Hit that mark clip button when you got it right uh or you can just edit it if it sounds bad so i'm not trying to i'm not trying to indict like anyone or or any anything but i would say our our market as a whole the trading professional slash semi-professional streaming and running a room market that we all are in i think oftentimes sells a a pipe dream Mm -hmm. of three clicks a day and then you go get on your yacht to people lambo um (laughs) And, and they do it at, uh, at the, at, you know, it's, it's, it's a devouring almost, um, in my opinion. And so we, we have definitely taken, I appreciate you mentioning, like, you guys are honest and open about this or whatever, because we've taken the approach that like, oh, I mean, kind of like, Hey, if you want to know what, what it's really like, like what, how this really goes every day, then like, you, you know, you're going to see it here. You'll see it at Trade Pro Academy as well, but I'm just saying, like, oh, we yeah. definitely lean into the the good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, the you know, um, also the upside. Like, there's great days. Today was a banger day, man. Like, we were cleaning house. Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody, it was a good day. Like, it was a really good day. But what are your thoughts about that? You've been around for a while. Have you seen that transition to be heavier towards that like lifestyle sell? kind of thing mm-hmm. in the last been few years way? has it yeah has it always been like that or like um what, what do you see what do you see what do you think about it what do you feel about it in 2001 when i started trading it like to actually get any material on what it was to trade a market was like 
it was non-existent. So now we're kind of on the other end of that spectrum, right? It was like, first of all, you couldn't get information. Second of all, it was nuts. It wasn't a desirable thing to do. You're kind of like an outcast. You're like, oh yeah, you're, you want to be a trader. You're not part of society. You're broken, right? So flip to now <laughs> where it's like, oh, you're working a nine to five. You're going to be depressed and you're going to retire one day. Ha ha. Now I'm going to like go do something on, for my, you know, like now we idolize people starting businesses. So there's been like a complete pivot, but like, from learning trading it it kind of boils down to one thing that popped in my head is like the realization that when you listen to somebody giving you content or advice like you know some people don't take the responsibility to understand listen when you're actually teaching somebody about this stuff like their intention is they actually want to learn and make a change for their family and some people just screw those people outright with no remorse Mm -hmm. you know so when you're listening to anyone giving you material and what they're telling you, I would say go with how the person makes you feel, not what they tell you, because that's important. And and the one barometer for me is like, when I listen to anybody, I ask myself, are they trying to convince me that I'm capable of trading to empower me to do it? Or are they trying to convince themselves? And if you just kind of use that one test, Ooh, you'll find out right on, away. Bro. Yeah, you'll find out right away who the real people are that that want actually have your best interest at heart. Because you know, I, I had this discussion with another trading educator. I'm not going to put him on blast because he's actually a fantastic trader too. And and we talked about this balance of trading versus teaching. And he, he was like, you know, they this is the first time I considered this notion. It's like the person who wants to join your trading room wants to know that you can trade, but they would actually be benefited the most from you if you didn't trade. You know what I'm saying? Because if you think about it, it's like, it's actually a very fascinating point. It's like they, they technically want to know that you could do it so they could believe what you're saying, but they don't want you to do it. They want to help you do it. That's all that matters at the end of the day. So it's like, you know, when we have these good days, it's exciting for us in bad days. But to me, like the industry used to be about putting information out and then helping people come to their own conclusion, more like a group, like a team. You know, you approach the market together, but nobody really like shared the, the context of the trades. And now it's evolved to something where, you know, People do show trades, and I think people that honestly do it, like you guys, are like, "Here's a good day, here's a shit day, here's like a divorce day." You know, like this is it. This is probably gonna be over. Bye, everyone. Yeah, it's been fun, kind of day. You know, I'll never see you again. Like, I think being vulnerable and honest like that is is the benefit of doing it with that style where you're showing trades. But I think the problem is that people out there then abuse that. They'll then open two accounts put the opposing trades on each account and then show you the one that wins. Right. And then that's kind of tarnished the business. So for me, it's like, I've seen the evolution of having nothing to having too much. And I think, you know, somewhere in between there, you, you kind of have to find like, follow the same rules you do in regular life. Right. Like we, we know so much about life. Most of us, we, you know, we've lived, we've learned lessons, but we throw all that out the window when we start trading. It's like, Remember, how does somebody make you feel? And usually inside you have your subconscious mind's powerful enough to know when somebody's bullshitting you. Don't believe it. Don't allow yourself to believe that, oh, what they're trying to sell me, if it feels wrong internally, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. Maybe I just don't know what order flow is. So this tool they have is definitely going to be the thing I need. You know, I think that's the problem traders make. And then they come and trade pro academy, come to you guys, and they're like skeptical. I don't I don't believe in this. You know, like <laughs> I didn't rob your twenty dollars out of your pocket, bro. You decided to pay it to the other guy. You know, I'm just trying to help you out. So, right. the the industry is is definitely evolved a lot, and I think people who don't care about trading are now in the business of teaching people how to trade, right? People who mm-hmm. don't care about trading and don't care about people are teaching people how to trade. Like, 
if those two things aren't true, just stay in your bedroom and do it by yourself, right? But I think the passionate people like you guys, I could tell by the way you speak, the way you interact with people, like just doing a podcast, going through this energy is like, that's the people you got to find and then never let them go. Like I know traders on the trading floor actually still trade with each other on Zoom, even though it's 20 years later, just because they have that familiarity hmm. of yeah, their energy, cool. you know? I yeah. love that. Yeah. All right. I- oh. Go ahead, Bob. I was just going to say, I think the the cool the thing that we talk a lot about at Vanta that I bet you guys at Trade Pro do as well, because I know Vico, he's not streaming so that people, and this is you know for anyone that's listening in the future, and just if I'm streaming on a day or Banks is streaming on a day, I don't have my stream up and my trades up um, so that someone so that when I click, someone else can click. Mm-hmm. I have them up to model like this is my process as it is like developing in front of you. Like you've heard me say that if we break above 44 and we're bid that I want to be long above 44 today because that's the top of value for this distribution and how I go about taking that from an idea and a plan to applying it during a day when the market's moving around, that's the nuanced, what can be difficult about trading that I would like to show you like and model Mm -hmm. But in no way are we like calling out like, okay, guys, 44, everybody everybody get long. long. You'll never hear those words come out of my mouth. Um, And, you know, like we, we do this, we look at the same charts the same way every day. It's the same process. And the whole point of doing that live for everyone is, yeah, to like cast a vision for the plan for the day, but it's also to model the behavior of like, if you want to do this and you want to have a measure of success, you have to have like a, a fixed way that you approach the information, the data on the screen. You know, you're organizing it with a TPO chart. You're organizing it with a four hour chart. You're organizing it with a daily chart. You're organizing it with volume. However, you're organizing it, you got to do it the same way every day and, you know, lay it out, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So for us, it's about, it's about modeling for people that almost that monotonous, repetitive, boring thing um, day after day. It's definitely, it's definitely to the point of like making all of that accessible and visible, not like, okay, everyone get ready. One, two, three, uh, you know, now we're all long and now we'll all get rich together. Like that's, that's, that's bogus, man. If, if someone is looking for that, then I don't think, long term they possess at, at this point the type of curious drive that will be necessary for success because they're handicapping themselves if yeah. you're looking for somebody to call it all out for you you're just handicapping just give them yourself. your money just give yeah. them your money they'll trade it for you you know like that's just <laughs> trying to defer risk is all that is yeah. it's lack of, to, <clears throat> you don't have to take responsibility if i say buy here and you buy and you lose you can be pissed off at me instead of yourself can i tell you a really quick funny story of, of how this okay so one time we hired a marketing firm and we were like okay like i think if we could push this this trade pro academy concept to more people we kind of we're saving them from going to another place you know the mentality is like if you believe in your product, you want people to be there. So like, how do we reach out to more people? So we hired a marketing firm that knows very little about trading. So they put together the sales pitch <laughs> and the, the person that we hired is on the call listening to me do it. And then I started, I started out the webinar, but I'm like, welcome to trading. It's the shittiest business in the world at the <laughs> beginning. It's absolutely horrific. And her notes are like, 
trading and gives you the ability to have financial freedom, you know, like, so eventually, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It's like the, the truth, I think got blurried by marketing. And, and also that's kind of a funny analogy for trading itself, right? It's like when, when we're showing trades or discussing it, I think people are like, you should show more trades, you should show less trades, you should trade bigger so we can learn, you should trade smaller because I'm not there yet. You know, you have so many different people, but we're just putting our life on the internet, basically. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's no different than OnlyFans. Oh, well, it is. But <laughs> yeah, you, hold on, what, what's the Mark what, thing? What's what's Mark Trade Clip. Pro? Yeah, right. what's, what's trade? What do y'all do at Trade Pro? We trade with our clothes on most of the time. What? That's so yeah. old school. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. Um, question about whether socks are on or not. <laughs> Yeah, but like we, we just put our life on the internet and I think you choose the information that is relevant to you. And that's what makes trading hard too, right? I find people when when they're like, uh, you know, I'm struggling. Can you help me and take a look at what I'm doing wrong? It always comes down to, okay, what's your plan? My plan is to have a 30-point trade. Why the hell are you looking at the DOM order flow that changes 19 times in a millisecond? <laughs> right. You know, you have 7 billion chances to confuse yourself by the time you get 30 points. <laughs> Clean up the charts. <laughs> Clean up the charts. And like, give yourself a chance at the beginning. Like, order flow on a dom is way too advanced for somebody looking to take thirty points, right? So, like, Banksy, you said it. You started out as a scalper, right? And yeah. I think when we start with new members, we tell them like, wait for the thirty points. Then we throw up the dom. So it's like the information you expose yourself is directly correlated to the success you have, and that's the challenge I had coming back. Because when I left trading about two years ago, you should have seen my monitors. I had eight monitors, and today, like, I do it on my laptop. You know, so yeah. they really need all that nonsense. So I, I guess the challenge here is just like the markets, you choose what information is important to you. Same thing with watching somebody trade. It's like you can't expect that person to give you everything you need. You can't expect to copy your trades. Just pick from it what you think will help you and move forward. Right. It's you can't cater to everybody because um, the only reason I say that is there's new people that say I want to see trades. And I've actually had experienced traders who run hedge funds at TradePro who have left because we show trades right so there's two mm-hmm. sides of that coin um and and yeah i lost <laughs> the thought process but i'm gonna end it there it's a good point well it is getting a little bit late um it's still my first one... beer i swear i ran out of water oh, so nice. uh, we had one other question from bear that i kind of wanted to to get out here real quick if you can kind of explain uh NLP and how you use it in your approach to trading. Also, what is NLP again? I can never yeah. remember what the acronym is. NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. So Neuro, Brain, Linguistic yeah. Language, Programming, Programming, right? So it's really how you talk to yourself and about things. And I, I'm going to tell you this, like, I'm an Eastern European male, you know, <laughs> and and I have, you know, raised in an Eastern European background. When I first heard the concept, I'm like, this is, this is like, like stupid. Like who believes in this? Right. Like, I'll be honest with you. I'm like, this is the most stupid thing you could ever come up with. Whatever. I actually like tried to put my energy towards discrediting it. So I wouldn't (laughs) admit my own weakness. You know, that that's Mm -hmm. how, yeah. So what, what NLP essentially does is the, the way that you talk to yourself creates programs. And so it could be something the obvious ones are like, I'm never going to become a trader, right? The the not obvious, the subconscious below the surface of your mind are things like, like, I'll give you an example. There's only two fears humans are really programmed with that you can't remove. And I got to learn those having two sons. One is sudden loud noises. 
I use that on them sometimes <laughs> to get them to calm down. <laughs> and the other one is falling. I'm not going to admit to, you know, doing that to them. But the kids <laughs> have only two emotions. That's all you're born with, two fears. So you know, where did you get the fear of losing money means that you're going to fail in life? Something programmed it, right? Mm-hmm. And so neuro-linguistic programming is the art of, it's basically like the lost user manual for your brain is how I like to explain it is you can change things, right? People think that, oh, I'm, I'm always the kind of person that does this. You don't have to take that to the grave unless you make changes. You're on a train track going the same way and you're going to like, I see people who want different results, but do the same thing. And I'm like, you know, just through like simple analysis, I can tell you where you're going to be in 70 years. Yeah, the exact same place and like that's so mean that's so rude i'm like that's reality right exactly yeah yeah. yeah. so neuro-linguistic programming is that and there's different techniques and strategies so if you have like fears i think that's the one that's super relevant fear and trading you know we we look at fear of trading and people think oh it's losing money guess what fear of trading is actually winning right Mm -hmm. if you grew up in a household where your parents told you you have to do a nine to five job you know you like Risk is not something you should take. Money is for rich people. It's not for you. You think you're going to just accept success? On the days you're winning, you're going to find a way to lose that money because that's what you've programmed yourself to be. So NLP is kind of the process of changing your programming because if you don't, no matter what you do logically, subconsciously, you're going to go back to the same result you've always been to. And if that's something you don't like, you can't get to anywhere else unless you work on the subconscious layer. Um <laughs> And it took me a long time to realize that, man. If I had that at a younger age, they should really teach this in school. Like, I would have been, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an appropriate analogy, but a really bad one came up. Um, <laughs> but I, I would have definitely been a lot more productive in my younger years. I did a lot of stupid stuff, guys. Like, I'm not pretending to be perfect here. I did a lot of dumb stuff that, you know, in hindsight, like, thank God there was no social media when I was growing up. Because oh, God. I, yeah, I'd be toast. Like these yeah. kids these days that we kind of like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Like you didn't do it. No one was recording you all the time, you know? So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so basically what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that's what NLP is, is like working on your mindset. And to me, that was a big thing because, again, coming from Europe and I'm from Bulgaria, my dad always told me, you know, you got to pay for things in full. Don't use credit, whatever. And guess what? I made a lot of my money in real estate using credit to, to mm-hmm. finance a transaction. So it's identifying those limiting beliefs and then for those limiting beliefs there's no wonder there's very specific techniques to help you remove fears phobias fears of success fears of failure um you know programming from your past this is where it gets a little woo woo but there's actually programming that you can have from a past life there's times when you do a technique where somebody says this happened to you before or after you were born it's a confusing question right if i asked you kyle did this happen to you before you were born you'd be like this guy's like had too many beers. There was no before I was born, bud. There you go. So then <laughs> when you get I'm to concerned. <laughs> when you get asked that question, your response is actually a subconscious response because logically you're confused. Mm-hmm. So there's these techniques you could do and they're very relevant in trading for times when you you get into a situation where you're, you lose one trade. Have you guys ever had a day where you lose one trade and then it's 10 a.m. and then suddenly it's 4 p.m. and you look at your journal you're like holy shit i lost 50 percent of my account and i don't feel like it was me that did it you ever feel like that i've had that it's been a long time since i've had that but i've had that before yeah Yeah, i've had it too like in my earlier days especially i've had that multiple times i've blown out so many accounts victoria is the only trader i know that hasn't blown out an account 
And Victoria's the only person I know who doesn't have emotion. Yeah, Vic <laughs> a is a, like a robot. Yes. Yeah. Vic Bob, we call him. <laughs> you, you crafted him in a building somewhere. He's <laughs> <laughs> an algorithm. He's, like the, he's the, uh, the, the Drago of <laughs> trading. <laughs> yeah, NLP's great, so... Did you have any uh, uh, books or any other recommendations where people can read more? Bear says the one he read is NLP, The Essential Guide. I don't know if if he had any other recommendations. You know, NLP's actually been a really big thing in Australia for a long time. Hmm. I don't know what it is about the Aussies, but they're tapped in a lot more into it, right? Um, it, it's also a very controversial um, field because the, the creator of it had some super legal... Like, honestly, man, if you made a story or movie about... Um, the origin of NLP, it's borderline like a crime scene story. Like, <laughs> so like what, what I'm saying is too well, <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> Hey, I told you I'd give you the reality. We're, depending on where you go with books, like so there are some that like kind of tarnish it a little bit, but if you just look at the tools and what it helps you do, cause the creator of it and his intentions weren't pure. But the thing is mm-hmm. you can't program yourself to do something that's going to hurt you, you know, because that that's against subconscious rules. So a, a really good book, um, to understand the subconscious mind. Before you learn NLP, I would, I would get you to learn what the subconscious mind does, the function of the subconscious mind, because that's what we're changing, right? Mm. Your subconscious mind makes up 99.96% of your brain and 0.004 of your decision-making is logical. So if you spend 100 hours training your logical brain how to trade better, you've trained yourself to be perfect at 0.04% of your brain processing power. Right. So understanding the subconscious mind is far more important than NLP at the very beginning, because NLP is a process Mm -hmm. of changing it. And you don't want to change your subconscious mind if you don't know how it works, because it has it has the ability to actually go negative, like the butterfly effect. You know, you don't want to just go and start doing these strategies with with NLP. So the power of the subconscious mind by Joseph Murray, a mind blowing book, Uh, I will caution you that. You know, depending on what your beliefs are, it does go a little bit into religion. But if you replace God that he uses with the universe, um, it, it makes it acceptable pretty much for everyone to read. I'd start there for sure. That book changed my changed my life. All right. I love that, man. Uh, yeah, I'll make sure I put a link to that in the episode description. Uh, we are probably running a little bit long here, though. So I think maybe it's time to, to wrap this thing up. I'd like to say thank you here to George, Baba, Banks for joining me on this fine evening. Everyone listening, if you stuck around to the end, thanks for dropping those questions in there and interacting. Please show our panelists some love. Click on those links in the show notes. Remember, you can check out our combined Discord where you can trade with Baba Banks live every Friday morning on the free side. You can heckle us in real time on these recordings. You can even compete in our Friday Imperial Challenges. We will be back soon with another exciting episode, hopefully as funny as the crypto future symbols. But until then, politely tap that five-star rating and have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Love y'all. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It does not constitute financial or investment advice and should not be construed as such. The hosts, guests, and contributors of this podcast are not licensed financial advisors, brokers, or professionals. Any trading or investment decisions made based on the content of this podcast are solely at the listener's discretion and risk. Trading and investing in financial markets carry inherent risks and past performance is not indicative of future results. Listeners should conduct their own research and seek advice from qualified financial professionals before making any financial decisions. 
The views, opinions, and information shared in this podcast are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of the podcast creators or associated organizations. Produced by China Shop Productions.